the volume. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code MONICO. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code MONICO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, we are back on another Amazon Amp Live, doing it on a Tuesday. little intermission after week three, but before week four, fired up to be with you. Appreciate you joining me, Moneyline Monaco. Off a wonderful day at the office. Break out the Gryffindor brooms, baby. We swept the board. If you listen to the Moneyline Monaco Monday pod, just had a good feeling. Really laid it out for you. Baker had gone against two cupcake defenses that really not only are winless, but are having borderline identity crises at their camps. And you go against Philly, who hadn't put together a great game plan yet, who was just kind of getting, you know, by Philly's standards at this point, just getting bought. And they come in with an incredible game plan from Philly's side of things. They get to the quarterback, and yes, I did mention Baker was 71% completion percentage under duress through the first two weeks, but that wasn't Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, and the boys kind of duress. You saw it early, and it was really the theme of both games last night. Dominating the line of scrimmage, and Philly does it on both sides of the football, which really was what made that pick so easy Sometimes you look at the splits, and yes, the Sharps were on the Bucks. The line was bought down. The whole thing, you can make the case, the Bucks were the play. Sometimes you just have to go in, stick to your gambling gut, which I talk about often, and know that Baker Mayfield is on his third team, technically fourth. You know, he put the Panthers and the Rams last year together as one. For a reason, he is a mediocre quarterback. He is a playmaker. He has dog. He has rah-rah and he has leadership when things are going well. But under duress last night, I didn't love what I saw on the sideline. That's a knock on Todd Bowles as well. Defensive-minded coach. Your offense isn't clicking. The defensive side, again, you're watching a Philly offensive line, PFF ranked number one. 
run down people's throats. I mean, Jalen Hurts had all day. DeAndre Swift's looking like a guy in high school that can run through anybody because he has such a dominant offensive line. He's going against inferior competition. That's what the offensive line made it look like from Philly's perspective last night from straight dominance. And this was Vita Vea, David, couple of serviceable guys in that front seven for the Bucs, and they still sun up the sun down, cooked them. That game was dangling live bets all the way up to, what, 14 and a half, I think. All that to say, Bucks lose by double dig. Eagles improved to 3-0. and The Bucs held to 174 yards of total offense, two turnovers. And the rain, once you saw it start to come in, very Tampa, Florida-esque, they were cooked. No one was really looking too superb on the fundamentals last night, but it was just sun up to sundown domination. And then on the Bengals side of things, you know, that was a great spot for betters who were waiting to the last minute. Sometimes you want to get your picks in early in the week because you're beating the market. This was the Costanza opposite. This was waiting until the 11th hour and the books really didn't know what to do with the game. This was a six and a half point opening line that eventually went all the way down to one and a half. One and a half. So if you're sitting there as a bookmaker and or someone who's coming in and betting the game, you gotta be, you gotta be either feasting at opportunity from that line movement or freaking out on the bookmaker side because. What Zach Taylor did guarding that decision, whether it was this guy named Jake Browning, who doesn't even have a face in Madden, or Joe Burrow, you know, that was a huge moment. And then once you saw the line kind of go from one and a half to two, and then at the end of the day, it closed at three, believe it or not. Bengals minus three. I nibbled at minus, I got the Bengals all the way around minus 140-ish on the money line closing market. And I did say the Rams with the points could be the lean if no Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow comes in, he's playing modern medicine into account, home court. It's Chad Ochocinco night. Shout out our guy at volume. And they're playing for their lives. And you saw it as I get into the theme for the show. A team playing for their lives is everything. The Rams were already, even at a one-in-one start, sort of playing with house money. Here you are with the Bengals at home, backs against the wall, must-win game, wearing their all-whites, Joey Burst playing, a lot of momentum in the air, and then again, the eye test. You can cap it all day with trends, with stats, with how teams looked the week previous. Once it's game, Wayne and Garth on. What does the game look like? And in the first half of the Rams and the Bengals, from a betting perspective, it looked like it was going under as I capped like a mensch on a Yom Kippur Monday. I was I was fasting yesterday, people. Maybe I should be going into ketosis more often. These are the kind of decisions I'm making, 6-0 and on a Snickers hangry Monday. Forget about it. We might need to be fasting every primetime Monday. But you're watching that game. You're seeing it. Kyron Williams, that Rams offensive line that had good pressure up front in those two divisional games, were getting none of it. These were two solid pass defenses coming in, both top 10 the first two weeks. And then you see it when you're watching. Stafford can't move the ball. Stafford's doing the little, you know, the tippy-toe thing he does a lot in more in Detroit than LA when he's in the pocket and he's freaking out, freaking out, got to make a play. 
And then he slips back sometimes into old Stafford mode where this Bengals team put the pressure on. And then you look at that offensive line for Cincy and they really knocked around Aaron Donald and the boys. I mean, Burrow, I was listening to the commentary. He didn't even really have to run for his livelihood too many times last night. And that game from a live betting point of view, just to put a button on it, was a pick all the way up until that first Joe Mixon touchdown drive happened. And how fast did that drive happen? You had to know that of those two teams going back and forth, back and forth, babysitting their drives, field goal here, field goal there, that it was going to be Burrow and the more desperate team with the better quarterback and the better personnel to eventually sneak through. I just thought it was a rare night where the, the books were giving you a gift in a primetime game that they too didn't even know what was going to happen. And you have to jump on the jugular because the books are so sharp, so timely uh, to see that line close there. They knew the Bengals were going to win and they saved their ass on that three points because they won off the juice. If you went Bengals minus three, that was just a game where you had to go instincts above all, but a great night six and oh, for the Moneyline Monaco, humble Lily Pad in the gambling community hit both unders, which I did speak about on the pod, felt very strong about both unders. And it very much is a primetime under theme here through three weeks as we wrap up September. Hard to believe and get into it. I want to talk a little bit about live betting, which I did there. I want to talk about the gambling eye test. I want to talk about a few teams I believe in, teams that are starting to impress and then believe it or not we're going future shopping people we are going to look at some teams to make the playoffs couple of teams i feel very good at that are a coin flip on DraftKings. couple of value plays my producer will like one of them that of teams i don't give up completely on despite their record there's some team total wins out there i want to flirt with and just make mention of the markets moving this is like stocks this is like crypto is a live market now it moves a little bit less because it's a weekly sport but it does move so i want to speak on a couple of team total wins that are interesting jumps for better or for worse both sides of the coin teams that went up teams that went down a little bit about MVP talk. Uh, am I at the point where I want to sprinkle on Tua? My gosh. And these divisional winner bets. There's a few interesting purchases you can look at. I may make the case on in this episode. And where is their value on the divisional market? And early thoughts on week four. How do we not? couple of riveting divisional matchups. You got the, the Bills and the the Dolphins, you have the Ravens and the Browns, you have the Lions and the Packers, all of these very razor sharp two and a half or less lines. And we'll talk those out a little bit of early feels, maybe a couple of teams to tease. You got some cupcake wins out there. Um, lines that are interesting as we get into it here. And just, just to put a button on week three, you know, I spoke on how much I got bit by the live betting bug and it's a live betting bug baby that live betting ability you click that button there's betting before the game and then there's live betting it's like planning your night and then you are out on the town you got a couple of beverages in you you're feeling loose you're feeling mingle and next thing you know 
The board, the Dave and Buster's board, as I like to call it, looks appetizing. And buyer beware because objects and mirror, as I often say, are not as they appear. I got cooked not once, not twice, by three heavy favorites that I could not help myself on. And you just have to do the gambling gut with the eye test when you're watching. Real quick on her, Ravens-Colts. That game was sharps all over the Colts. Either way, if the sharps are on the dog with the points, the quarterback gets ruled out and, and the sharps don't waver. And now you're not going to all have the same information. I have the same follows on Twitter, the same people you can look up. You know, I follow a good amount of people. I've been in this space for a while. Some people respect, I respect all on the same side. It does sometimes sway me. It does sometimes clog. My thinking. Now, I was on the Eagles. Nobody was on the Eagles with me. Everybody was on the Bucks. So I won that on my own. Felt great. Just couldn't do it. But that's sometimes where you have to look at the lines, look at the splits, make your decision because you have to sleep with your decisions that night. And I got to sleep with the fact that I bet the Ravens who weren't moving the football all the way down the bitter end. Now, I did say yesterday, and I wanted to reiterate, when you're getting plus money value on both sides of the football betting a game, Sometimes you want to do it in a fluky game like Colts-Ravens. Colts were almost 10-1, right around 10-1, <clears throat> excuse me, when they were down by three after the Minshew-Danerlovsky moment. Yet, I still said to myself, this game might not be wrapped up. The Ravens can't get a first down for the life of them. Justin Tucker missed long field goals. Weird things. That's when it starts, I say the word fluky. Getting fluky in these moments, you have to pay attention. So if you have two opportunities like I did, Ravens were up to plus 340 at one point. Colts were up to 10 to 1 at one point. You can get plus EV on both sides. Somehow lower your lower your offset positioning on the, on the purchase, depending on how many slips you fired on in the game. I look at the Cowboys-Cardinals game, same thing. We're doing the eye test. James Conner's running harder. Rondale Moore's running for his life. Hollywood Brown is cooking this second string corner for the Cowboys. The, the Dallas Cowboys decision-making, playing from behind. What do we now know about the Cowboys? Mike McCarthy playing down is not the same play caller as Mike as Kellen Moore with the Cowboys last year. I mean, that play calling was driving me up a wall. So now we know we get new information. The Cowboys are not really a team that looks like they're going to be excellent in those positions where they got a battle back from a bad first half. And then that Jags-Texans game, divisional games are built differently. But that Jags game, you know, I love the Jags in London this week. I'll talk to them out at the end of the show. There was some sick, disgusting, weird moments happening in that game too to the point where you're just like, the Texans are just supposed to win this game. This is some Vikings dumb luck last year bullshit. I don't know what the hell was going on, but the the prince that was promised was doing everything he could to not punch the ball and to not move it in. And that was value on the Jags, value on the Jags. That was a seven and a half point line. You could have got plus money on the Jaguars all the way up into the end. I lose on all three. I'm taking a second off the beaten path to share and teach a little bit of what I've done so you don't, too, lose bar mitzvah money. You have to watch these games. If you get opportunities in weird moments to hedge out, sometimes you have to because these weird games, all these three heavy favorites that were in these live betting, quote-unquote, amazing spots, 
ended up being mouse traps, and I got scorched. Whereas last night, you could kind of tell, all right, Bengals are really kind of dictating this front four for the for the Rams. They're getting to Stafford. He doesn't have time. You look at the Philly game. That game was even starting starting out a little bit slow as well. You could have jumped on the Eagles early. They they even got down at one point to less than their closing number of minus five. That is just something that you're going to learn as you bet week to week. But the live betting, I speak on it because it's more than half the wagers on the market nowadays. And it is truly a skill of its own because you are hoping to get back to a number that the the Vegas bookmakers close to that, or you're hoping to capitalize on a discounted price like a heavy favorite going down early. Either way, buyer beware, something to note in the live betting market on week three as we move forward. All right, let's go future shopping, people. I got some teams to make the playoffs. I'm going to start out with the even money-ish teams, and I'm going to make a case for both. And we're going to start out with, believe it or not, Brandon Staley's LA Chargers, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, Again, I grew up as a San Diego fan. I've experienced the late, wonderful Marty Schottenheimer. I've experienced no more North, NorthTurner.com. I've experienced so many coaches with this team that has not equated to winning important games. I don't even know. You want to talk about New York numb? I'm New York numb in the San Diego market in recovery. But the Chargers did what they had to do, and that's go into a very difficult place to win in Minnesota, catch a W. Let's really talk this out. I have two teams that I really want to talk out on a vow on a on a prop futures market thought and i really want you to come along with me and you may not love the timing because as much as a cupcake win is coming up, up this weekend against the raiders and the chargers will win that game they have to play the dallas cowboys and the kansas city chiefs in the the next two of three games but but They are followed by the Bears and the Jets. So let's calm down. Even if they go three and two in the next five weeks, they still have life. I'm looking at their scheduling. I'm looking at this team. I'm factoring it all in. I'm looking at the AFC. It's not what we thought it would be through three weeks. This is a Chargers team. That's had a pretty, you know, pretty interesting three weeks. But all that to say, they're the king next to the Vikings of one score and close games. This team loses by two to everyone's darling. Everyone's darling in the NFL right now, the Miami Dolphins. That game could have went either way. They lose it 36-34. Then they lose a game where Herbert should have scored four possessions down the stretch in the fourth quarter to wrap it up in a bow in Tennessee against a lowly Titans team that couldn't get it done. They lose 27-24 in overtime. This team is not 1-2 and on a personnel ranking of overall players from a one sun-up to sundown 53-man depth chart. They are in possession of 
a top, arguably five quarterback, absolutely top 10 quarterback. This is a real defense that has looked way, way worse than they're capable of on the defensive side. Justin Herbert has not turned the ball over. He has looked magnificent. He went for over 400 yards and not and over 300 yards back-to-back weeks with no Eckler in the backfield, a.k.a. they don't trust Josh Kelly. They're doing it one-dimensional. He loses Mike Williams in the middle of the game. He keeps cranking. So they're going to beat the Raiders. They're going to go to two and two. I think they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys personally on a look ahead. Monday night football should be riveting. Now, they've split enough with the Chiefs for you to feel like, and there's two trains of thought with thoughts with the Chiefs. They're playing at Arrowhead Sunday, October 22nd, and then they get the Chiefs the last week of the season. For Kansas City's just theme, they could be wrapped up, have the one seed, have the division, can't move forward in the seedings. There's a lot of hypotheticals to where that week 18 could lean the Chargers playing for their lives moment and the Chiefs all all but playing spoiler, getting ready for the playoffs. That is a thought. But you look at the rest of their schedule and so many of these games are winnable. Bears, Jets, Lions. I mean, even hosting the Ravens, going to New England, they get Denver twice, which is a gift. I mean, this team was sitting there at over under nine and a half wins, and that's what they're sitting at, I believe, at the moment right now. But to make the playoffs plus 110, I mean, that to me, has to be purchased just on what we know this Chargers team to be. A stacked roster that isn't great situationally, but is so gifted personnel-wise and at quarterback. This quarterback is going to cancel out Brandon Staley B-minus coaching. I just think there's a world where you should consider the Chargers before they roll the Raiders on Sunday. Another team that has to be considered is the Cincinnati Bengals team. Call it what you will. Joey Burrow, if he stays healthy, you're getting minus 105. I've already locked in this number, and I actually did it. I got on my Simon shout out the favorites. I I inked a play before the game week two, trusting Burrow was going to show up, trusting that Burrow was going to stay healthy. It was a pick'em game. In Tennessee, Bengals at the Titans. We know how this game goes. It's 2016. With my eyes closed, I can predict it. I'll never forget. This game, it it just, it's exactly what you would envision. Tough to move the football. Gross in the trenches. Maybe a little light sprinkle of rain. Little weather. Who knows? All that. All that factoring in. Bengals who get Tennessee and then Arizona and then Seattle may end up 4-2 and two after an 0-2 start, and this team started out 0-2 with the Galifianakis hangover last year. I'm telling you right now, it's a great thought. I can't see a world, I mean, not to even be this guy, fixes in moment, every call went to the Bengals last night. It's good for business if the Bengals are playing in January. 
There are so many positives here, and you're getting it at minus 105, practically even money, 105 to 100. It is worth a sprinkle. Two value plays. Two value plays. I am not giving up on my guy Paul's Minnesota Vikings. I really want you to hear this because they're plus 320 to make the playoffs in an inferior conference. That's right. I said it. And they are six to one to win the division. Just hear out a couple ways to roam. Hear out a couple of ways. Okay. First thing I want to start with is that everyone's dogging this Minnesota team. They got 69 points for 82 points against. You look at their first three weeks, they lose by a field goal week one. They lose by the defending NFC champions of last year by one possession, and they cover, and they cover, and they lose a game really by Chargers standards they should have won. The Chargers gifted that away on that fourth down call. Kirk non-primetime couldn't punch it in, but I don't hate this defense. Believe it or not, I actually think this defense isn't as doom and gloom as last year. Brian Flores actually had an improved passing defense if you look at the numbers through two weeks versus last year to start the campaign. But the Vikings, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is that it's it not only is it not Kirk's Kirk's fault, but this is an NFC North I don't know that I trust. Now you're 0-3. So you're sitting out 0 and 3 with the Bears. You're looking at 2 and 1 and 2 and 1 with the Packers, with the Vike, with the Lions. They happen to play each other this weekend in Green Bay. Let's just play optimistic Vikings fan. Packers win that game, which helps to even out the standings. No one's breaking away. Mini goes to Carolina, banged up Bryce Young, lowly Panthers team. They get a win. They are now one game out, one game out in their division. They haven't even played any divisional games yet. Also worth the thought. You look at the NFC and who are we exactly in the wild card world feeling phenomenal about? Can you tell me? Is it Seattle? Seattle looks a little like a a team at home you can trust and a team on the road you really can't. You can have sleepovers as a kid at our place. You can't go somewhere else because you're going to go wreak havoc and start TPing the neighbors and throwing water balloons at cars and shutting off electricity. That's the freaking Seahawks. Don't let them on the road, even though they did get an impressive win on the road. I just don't see it in the long term, them going on the road, winning big games. They would be a team in the wild card conversation. The Washington Commanders, you're joking you have to be joking. What you saw with your contacts, glasses, or 2020, congrats if you have the vision, on Sunday against the Bills is who the real commanders are. Do not get fooled as Halloween is trickster around the corner. You think the Bucs? You think the Bucs are making a playoffs? You're out of your mind. The Rams can't be trusted. The Giants are one and two. This leaves, this leaves Detroit, Dallas, and an open slot. I'm just saying, this Vikings team has had a daunting schedule, and they do have a miserable next month because they have to play this Chiefs team and this Niners team. But they're a dumb luck team, and quite frankly, 
a dumb luck team that had 11 one-score games last week that has also ironically lost their first three weeks, three points, six points, four points. That's all one-score games. I mean, these games are coming down to one possession, one turnover, one and a lot of turnovers for the Vikings. They lead the league in turnover differential. If they can get back to a little bit of the fundamentals, and they did say, all right, Madison ain't the guy. We're going to go out and get Cam Akers. We're going to establish him. I think this is a Minnesota team that underlooked losing Dalvin Cook, underlooked a couple of elements on the defensive side, and has just had some bad pendulum swinging luck go back the other way. That's how it goes in Minnesota. But this is a team that won 11 game or won 11 one score games, and we're a negative point differential. So the W's and the L's are the only things that are changing stylistically. It's very similar to last year. I just think in a world where this division is most likely going to beat up on each other. And in a world where this division isn't really to be trusted, who has been there before? The Lions? You think the Lions have been in that position where they're the chalk of the division? Go back to your childhood, bud. Go back to when you were a kid watching VHSs. That's how long ago. Barry Sanders, I'm sorry. A Stafford team here and there maybe had a little bit of juice. Forget about it. A Bears team that's done, already moving on to the draft. Worst pick of my life. Worst pick of my life. And you got a Packers team that's kind of playing with house money. That we could call Jordan Love a, a savior, a great third option, a Jeff Garcia to a Joe Montana, Steve Young transition here from a Favre Rogers past the baton. But I don't know that I trust this Packers team going anywhere. I think they're going to be very competitive, and I think they're going to play spoiler in the division. I think that all says that this division, who again, on the on the NFC North futures market, Lions are minus 105, Packers are plus 155, Vikings are 6-1, to one, Bears 25-1, to one, not worth the breath. But the Vikings at 6-1, to one, could be one game out of the division after this weekend if the Packers can win. It's just sneaky value. On the way out here, a couple of team total wins I've noticed really move. Browns were at eight and a half before the season. They are at 10 and a half on DraftKings. Packers opened the season at seven and a half wins. They've ballooned up to nine and a half wins. The Dolphins, also at nine and a half wins, are juiced on the over at minus 140 of 11 and a half wins. Two interesting teams down, well, three, the Jags are down to eight and a half wins and plus money to win the division, which I think you have to purchase as bad as they look. I do not think this Colts team truly can leapfrog everyone and win the division this year, though I do think it's closer than for comfort. The Vikings are down to six and a half wins. I absolutely love them winning seven games. I'm starting to sit here and really consider flirting with betting this Bills team to win the division. The Bills are sitting, ironically, at plus 165 to win the division. Tua is one and 
four against the Bills all time. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the Bills are going to win that game, protect home court in their place. I can see it from a mile away. The Dolphins hierarchy, I called it an NFC hierarchy cafeteria game last week. This is a grown man divisional pound for pound. You know who the top dogs are in this division. It is the Bills Mafia. You ain't coming to the Mafia and taking them down, Dolphins. I like the Bills this weekend. And that would make you at least flirt with the Bills on DraftKings at plus 165 because the Fins at minus 160, that's going to move to a pick them after a Bills win. Worth a thought there. On the way out here as I sign off, I mentioned the Jags at plus 125. The Bengals at over four to one to win the division. They were up around, I think it was five to one last week. I'm trying to remember off the dome. I I thought it was worth a thought. Now it's worth a sprinkle. This division is going to beat up on each other. Same sort of rationale of thinking. Good timing purchase. Bengals will beat the Titans this weekend. And the Ravens and the Browns will beat up on each other. You're kind of hoping the Ravens win that game. To everyone, even everyone sort of medals out a little bit in the AFC North. And here we are at an interesting spot where you can bet good value on teams that otherwise should have been in a spot to win their division. Getting new information, like Colin says, always got to read and react. But I am loving early week four plays. The Bengals, someone to look at, they're now at minus two and a half against the Titans. Um, I like them at minus 130. Anything higher than that's a little bit expensive. But these key divisional games, just pay attention to these lines, these two and a half lines that may move to three, Dolphins-Bills being one, Browns-Ravens being another, even Saints-Bucks. Keep an eye on Derek Carr's health. That will absolutely move the line. And this Lions-Packers game is a pick em. We've seen some sick covers here with these closing line value plays with the Packers against the Falcons, then the Saints. Some sick less than two-point covers in back-to-back weeks. You cannot Scotty Van Babby make it up. Um, but I'm on my way out, and I'm just sitting here saying, and I hate to do it, that Tua may be that dude, and Mike McDaniel may be that dude. And from a coach of the year MVP thought through three weeks, I mean, we're going to really need a special storyline. The media, the sports media always falls in love with it. Just be careful, but think about maybe getting some value because Tua at one point, if he keeps humming like this, is going to be half of what he is at this point on the futures board. This man may end up winning MVP. I'm happy for him to get the bag. But yeah, action-packed show. Hope you got a little value debrief in week three. Week four, I believe in the Chargers. I believe in the Bengals. And I believe in the Minnesota Vikings on a just a value play. I like the value. Didn't get a chance to talk New York Giants. Don't hate ruling them out either. They had to go against the Cowboys and the Niners to start the season. Let's not forget. Could get them on a over-under discounted price, over six and a half wins right now, or at over 4 to one plus 425 to make the playoffs. I think they bounce back as well this week. So yeah, that's it. Appreciate you. For Paul, myself, Moneyline Monaco, off a Gryffindor Monday night sweep, 6-0, and oh, almost plus seven units. Come on!
Hit a parlay nine to one on DraftKings. Had to love it. Jalen Hurts anytime tug under 44 and a half, under Bucks 21 and a half, and AJ Brown 70 plus receiving. Just a beautiful Willie Wonka ticket. Don't forget to hug your mothers. I will see you. Come on. The volume.